following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Travion, what's the uh, what's the forecast for Saturday? Did you mention that? No, it is ninety for a high, a, a chance at rain. Yeah, a chance, twenty um, percent chance of showers before one p.m. Mostly sunny with a high near eighty-one, with wind gusts as high as thirty miles per hour. Okay, so there it is. There, there's another excuse about the passing game. Here we go. Honestly, I get it. Throwing in that heavy rain would suck. Didn't need to really throw it against South Dakota. No. And Adrian Martinez hasn't thrown a pick. No. It really hasn't been that bad, guys. It really ha- We just haven't seen it in a necessary situation. Mm-hmm. There have been lulls in the second half in both games so far. I'm not too worried about that. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner. We have David G., and Travion Berklin, Troy Coverdale, is out today. He's going to a concert tonight at McCain Auditorium. Who is it again? Herb Alpert. I honestly don't know really anything about <clears throat> the guy. I don't either. Travion? I know some of his songs. Just that, like, da-da-da, da-da-da, sure. You know, what's funny is, like, Troy is pumped. He is. He's really fired up. So I'm happy for him. I don't know who Herb Albert is. I don't know this guy from anybody. But Troy is pampata. Well, it'll be us three today. And uh, coming up in hour number two, we're going to get a look at the Tulane Green Wave, the uh, the fighting tsunami. <laughs> when, uh, or, when I said that, I thought of Johnny Tsunami. Remember that old Disney movie? I do remember that. Old I thought Disney. you might be a little too old for that. No, I remember that. I mean, I it wasn't like in my wheelhouse or yeah, anything. terrible movie. Yeah, it was. It's, it's it's unwatchable probably today. It's awful as a thirty two year old adult, you know. Ugh. But uh, we're going to speak with Tulane beat writer Gary Smith, who's going to give us a little breakdown on uh, on Tulane, which should be an interesting matchup via the uniforms. I don't know how crazy Tulane will get, but uh, <laughs> I love their I love the logo that they have. Plus. Look, just to get my quick two cents in on the uh, the helmet, that K-State, it's not like a brand new uniform or anything. The typical purple jersey, white yeah. pants that we've seen before, and it's got the pinnock, Willie the Wildcat, or whatever nickname we have for that Willie the Wildcat, with the number on the side, other side, fantastic. Love it. I love it. If you don't like it, hey, try having some fun once in a while, yeah. all right? Kick we'll rocks. go back to the regular uniforms <sighs> against Oklahoma. <sighs> not a big deal. Once not or a twice a year. I think is plenty. I love it. It's a lot of fun, and it's a lot of fun for the uh, players as well. Uh, plus, number one song of the day, and ask us anything, but it's uh, Wednesday, and you know what that means. Oh, AEW yeah. Dynamite tonight. What? Honestly, I'm not sure where it is, or I'm not even really sure what's going on. <laughs> That's how behind I am. I was at a comedy show last night. I saw Are You Garbage in person. I'm kind of, uh, out, of the, uh, out of the loop. When it comes on the latest on what's going on with AEW with announced uh, matches and stuff, but you know it's going to be good. The yeah. run shows they've had lately have been fantastic. But we are also joined today 
by Derek Young from Case in Align now with On3. You can follow him on, on Twitter at DYoungKSO. He just changed it not too long ago. DY, what is your thoughts on the helmets that will be worn on Saturday against Tulane? I love them. Um, I'm actually on my phone today. My computer's um, acting up, so hopefully this is sounding okay. But I love them, I th- and I agree with you. I actually think the best part might be the numbers on the side of the helmet. I love that look. When I saw the numbers, the first people I thought of were my my spotters, Buck and Marlin, because they're using the binoculars to uh, look down at the field. And if they have an extra advantage on uh, picking out who the players are, I think they'll take it. Sometimes it's a, it's tougher than you uh, you might think, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a very sharp look, and I've always been a big fan of that logo, which has never been on a K State helmet. Which, by the way, if if you don't, if you're not a big fan of the change. I mean, think back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, the looks changed all the time. A lot. Every few years, mm-hmm. the look was changing. There really wasn't a tradition of a uh, of one uniform. And uh, why the change all, always? New coaches. Mm-hmm. And guess what? New coaches putting his own spin on the unis. Like it. And it's not as bad as Ron Prince, not even close to what those were, what we had to deal with in the mid uh, 2000s with those. Uh, DY, clearly there was a lot of positives from the win against Missouri on Saturday, 40 to 12 was that final score. So let's, uh, let's start the opposite way with this conversation about what happened on Saturday. Did you take anything concerning out of that matchup with K State? Concerning. You know, the uh, Chris Kleiman disagreed. He said you'll, you'll never be irritated about a 40-12 to 12 win, and I certainly understand that and where he's coming from, especially immediately after the game when you're kind of basking in uh, embarrassing Missouri, so to speak, especially when they viewed it a little bit as personal. But I thought the penalties kind of – I mean, if not for the penalties and maybe a drop or two here and there – uh, they probably poured on them even more, right? Like we're we're, we're not crazy. That's that they could have scored sixty mm-hmm. had they wanted to and played their best football. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, the lulls with the offense for sure. I mean, back to back games, we see lulls in the uh, in the second half, forcing four turnovers in a row, and you're, you're you're getting a field goal out of it. You're getting three points or missing a field goal, another field goal, and then finally score a touchdown. So I mean, th- you know, thirteen points. It's not terrible, but you felt like every every one of those drives started within the Mizzou 40. So you felt like the momentum should take you into the end zone. If you just put a string of plays together, it should work out. But, I mean, late, at one point, they just completely got away with the passing game. It, at one point, Deuce Vaughn ran the football the third and fourth quarter combined, I believe. It was nine of ten times that Deuce Vaughn touched the football, and then right after that he exited the game, and it was the DJ Gidden show for uh, – a couple of handoffs. I, I hear you on. Uh, you know, there was a couple of drops. Malik Knowles, uh, for sure, had a drop. But you know, Adrian Martinez wasn't the most accurate either. But I still think he was he was fine, even though it was nine of twenty. The elements uh, factor as well. Um, the penalties, yeah, I think a little bit lack of discipline. A little bit lack of discipline. That might be the only issue I had uh, with the defense, other than a couple of uh, deep routes. Few folks for K State got, but you got something, uh, DG. Yeah, I just like. With the delays and stuff, I think it's hard to keep your focus for six and a half hours. I mean, I've, I felt like for for everything, all things considered, they did great. And plus, the defense once they figured out what Mizzou was gonna do and what they were capable of, 
to me, I feel like they ate them for lunch. They spanked them up front. Our linebackers were super active. Our defensive backs were in their backfield. And I just, I don't know, to me, as a person who considers themselves a super casual fan, I thought the our offense took a little bit of time to find what, what we wanted to do. But defense, it was after that first drive, they were like, okay, we know what's up, and just ate them up. I, I loved our, our defensive uh, look this, this weekend was fantastic. You guys are the experts. Well, I, 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 Dy's the expert. That's why we have him on every That's Wednesday. Right. But I, I'm always the fan that can see the, the the few flaws if there was any, and if that just it, it could have been turned into a whole lot more. It could have. You know, eating them for lunch would have been a five course meal Ooh. that it could have been eating up the Mizzou Tigers. I but uh, Dy, we can move on. Uh, passing game clearly is also a big topic. It, you hope, uh, you know. The win, you know, if you want to play that as a factor, you can for the game on Saturday against Tulane. Thirty mile per hour wind gusts potentially is what Travion said, uh, right as we came on air. Uh, but it's been brought up with the players that uh, you know there's 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 a whole lot more in the tank that that this passing game can do. You just haven't seen very much of it, and at times they haven't needed to go to the passing game. But I mean, isn't the simple answer when you think of there's more in the tank is just getting Deuce Vaughn more worked into the into the passing game? I mean, that's part of it, um, but it'd be nice to get a little bit of everybody into it, right? Right. I don't know that anyone's really broken down. You threw for 53 yards in the first game, and you threw for barely, you know, a little bit over 100 in the second game. I understand there's a lot playing into that, whether it's holding back things and, and not wanting to show Missouri plenty of what you're working with while you're in the game against South Dakota and cruising to a win, or whether you get into the Missouri game and you kind of cruise through those first two drives. You, you throw for 54 yards in the first drive alone, more than what they did against South Dakota the entire game. Um, you do it again in the second drive, and then the elements start to come into play. And rather than you know risk it and throw it around the yard like you'd like to, um, you kind of you know kind of get into a little bit of a shell again, just to do what needs to be done to win the game. They're playing winning football. I think that's really what it comes down to. It they're going to do what it takes to win the game Missouri tried to throw it around the yard too right mm. that's why they threw four interceptions in a row I mean so you try to throw it around the yard in those elements you're probably not going to come out alive so to speak um, but Deuce Vaughn getting involved into it you know that's part of it that's probably a lot of what they're holding back because they haven't needed to unload it um, and you are you going to really need to unload it against Tulane that's a pretty good question to ask right ask right are we? Do they really need to, you know, show what they have against Tulane? There's an element to you give Oklahoma more to prepare for, or there's an element to you don't want to show Oklahoma anything. I don't know what side of the, of the coin a lot of people fall on so far from Kansas State. It seems like Colin Klein kind of goes to the the Bill Snyder school, so to speak, when it comes to that strategy, whereas you'd not like to show them anything. Well, to your question about the the passing game are they going to have to open it up against Tulane? I mean, I think that's an an answer we'll have to find out during the game. Clearly, um, you know, make them stop you by with running the football. It's been working so well. I mean, K State is the best in the Big Twelve so far through two games. They're top ten in the country in running the football through two games. It, clearly, I mean, K State has shown to be one dimensional so far, but they're they're probably not a one dimensional team. I highly doubt that's going to be the identity this season. 
But will they have to do it against Tulane? I honestly don't think so. I, I yeah, probably not. Uh, that I mean, a lot of it. Let's be honest, a lot of it's going to depend on if Tulane can score. If Tulane yeah. can't score, this offense isn't going to have to be aggressive, and they probably won't be if they don't have to be. Right? That's what we've seen through two games. If they don't have to be aggressive, they're not going to be aggressive. They're going to do what it takes to win that game in particular, and think ahead to the next week and not show the next opponent much of anything if they don't have to. So. It'll come down, hey, if the defense comes out and just barnstorms Tulane the same way they have against South Dakota and Missouri, then I don't know if that will see much of what the offense has to provide. There are first glints of what they can really do. Might be Oklahoma and Norman, primetime, Fox, right? Beautiful uh, beautiful time slot, beautiful network, uh, primetime. We, we found that out earlier in the week. So, I mean, a lot of stuff is brewing to that moment where they're going to be playing – and probably the most significant game, at least from a time slot and television standpoint, uh, of Chris Kleiman's career. I can't think of a bigger one. You're playing Oklahoma. You're both undefeated. You might both be ranked. It's in prime time. It's on Fox. I can't think of a bigger moment. I, I still wouldn't mind the passing game getting a couple of nice plays in there, a, a couple of big plays through Close the passing us. game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just to gain a little bit of confidence in you know in, in the actual passing game. Get Malik Knowles in a big play, Philip Brooks. Yeah, rhythm. Yeah, exactly. Um, defensively, uh, man, he Josh Hayes I thought was just phenomenal, and the, the secondary was already playing fast. But could you tell that they were playing even faster with Josh Hayes? Yeah, he's a little bit different out there. Yeah. Nothing against P.J. Payne. He was a true freshman starter in game one, and, and he played like he belonged, right? They were, he was not a liability, so to speak, or anything like that, although him and Drake Cheatham had a tendency to bite on the play action a little bit, I thought. But Josh Hayes is kind of like I – mean, they play different positions. They're stylistically different. But he provides the same kind of splash that Kobe Savage provides to safety, and that's quickly becoming one of the strengths of the team. Now, there's some issues to – iron out i think some wrinkles to iron out there in the defensive back end at times i thought i thought missouri probably misfired on two balls probably right downfield that could have been touchdowns if it's a good throw um they got behind the kansas state defense twice in a second half i want to say um and maybe that's on the corners too i think one of them was julius prince so it almost looked like more of a falling asleep standpoint than anything and to defend them, to be fair, Luther Burden, albeit a true freshman, probably one of the best talent, one of the most talented receivers they're going to play against all season as well. He was the number one receiver in the class of 2022 for a reason. So, love what the secondary provides. They got to be careful falling asleep a little bit here at times. But that safety position, while fairly as well, called a question mark in the offseason because they were replacing all of their starters, quickly becoming a strength for the Wildcats. Brady Cook did miss not only some deep balls, but medium to short throws. He, he did miss He's a few in there as well. Nah, yeah, I, I just – yeah. I, it, you know, if it wasn't raining, would we have seen a little bit better accuracy? Yeah, maybe, probably. But the difference is with Tulane, Michael Pratt, who does have more experience. I was watching some film. I was watching the film on Alcorn State earlier today. And he is—he he will still miss some deep throws. He—he's not the most accurate with his deep ball as well. Well, but the short to medium, he will be more accurate than uh, than uh, Brady Cook. Uh, and the main difference between him and Cook is Pratt's going to be a three-year starter, so you're not yeah. going to surprise him or probably trick him. We're speaking with Derek Young from K State Online. When we come back, we'll get uh, his thoughts 
on is this game against Tulane. I mean, could this be one of those games that is a letdown for K-State? More on that when we come back here on the game. The game on KMAN, Mitch Fortner, David G, Travion Berkland, and another part of PowerCat Game Day is with us. That is Derek Young from K-State Online, at DYoungKSOs, where you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, back to the game on Saturday, DY, four straight interceptions by K-State. That was a lot of fun to watch. Which of the four was your favorite? Because they were all in their own way impressive. Yeah, I'm trying to remember them all now. We have the the Nick Allen one, the sincere Mason one, where he stole it from mm-hmm. Julius Prince yeah. by just turning around late. Uh, Daniel Green basically eating that one in his face mask. Um, what other one am I forgetting? Kobe Savage. Oh, Kobe Savage. I think the best play, um, probably between Kobe Savage or Daniel Green. Kobe Savage basically coaxed the quarterback into throwing that ball. Uh, hair underthrown, but he baited him and then uh, undercut the route and jumped it. That's a really good play for safety, especially basically in man-to-man coverage there uh, on a pretty good wide receiver. And then Daniel Green just reading the quarterback's eyes and you know basically using his instincts and catching a bullet at the line of scrimmage. It's one of those two. That that's a that's a hard one to pick. Yeah, I I think. The most impressive player, just the most impressive interception. That part of it, just making the play, is uh, was sincere. Mason. It was just, it was really cool to watch him at the last second turn around. It's like the ball just gracefully fell into his hands. He stands up and like holds his hands up <laughs> like, hey, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Uh, meanwhile, but it was a really impressive play. Uh, but you're right, I, I loved coasting the uh, the throw by Kobe Savage. I, I think I agree with you, Dy, that uh, that was a, a really awesome play and a smart play. You know that deep ball on a rope isn't going to get there. And uh, Kobe made a, a terrific play. So th- the matchup against Tulane uh, has received – not from me. This is not from me. I do not consider it this type of game. But some out there are considering it a letdown game because it's right in between Missouri. Oklahoma is a primetime matchup in Norman. I mean, it has those 2012 type of vibes if K-State is 3-0. and Heading in that matchup, Oklahoma being 3-0 and as well. Uh, the, the the new helmet, the new decal, like, is that a distraction? What do you think, D.Y.? I don't think the helmet, the decal thing is a distraction at all. So even if it becomes one of those games that's a little bit tighter than, than folks would like to have it, I don't think it'll ever be about the uniform, although uh, I'm sure there'll be some that want to point towards it no matter what should that occur. It, it Look... It's in a spot where letdowns typically happen. It really is. Because we know the ramifications of that game next week and the emphasis and the attention that's going to be spotlighted on it. I've already talked about the Oklahoma game indirectly several times. So to not consider it or think about it at all would be the opposite of human nature, in my opinion. And to further that notion, 
we all saw how they celebrated that Missouri game. We saw the tweets. We saw some of the shade. We saw the billboard. Yeah. Uh, there was there there was a lot of energy expended into that game, whether it was close or not. So this is just in a spot in between those two things. It's typically when you do see legends. Now, this team is a little bit different when it comes to maturity and leadership. They seem to have that in spades. So we'll find out just how much maturity and leadership they do have by the way they respond to this game. But it would at least be very, very human-like for them to start slow. I haven't checked at uh, the Vegas line. The last I, last time I checked, I think well, maybe it was yesterday or two days ago, it started like 15 and a half. Do you think that's a fair line? Should it be higher or should it be more closer to? Uh, uh, that's that's not even where it started. And this is kind of what you you look into a little bit too. The better certainly seeing this as a letdown game. It started as a 20-point favorite by Oklahoma or by, yeah, by Kansas State. Sorry. Kids, they began a 20-point favorite, and within like 24, 48 hours, that sucker was down to 14 and a half. So almost a touchdown swing in the line um, in a day or two. So there's a lot of people that certainly think this could be uncomfortably close for the Wildcats. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at DraftKings right now. Yeah, they have it as a 14-point favorite now for K-State. Um, and I'm not seeing an over-under, so I have to scroll a little bit further down on that one. But, uh, uh, D.Y., let's, let's, let's branch out a little bit. Uh, Scott Frost canned. He's gone after losing to Georgia Southern. Just Nebraska just could not take one more uh, single-possession loss. Just, just couldn't do it. Yeah. The 13th you know, one you know was the final funny? nail in the coffin. Yeah, you know what's funny, too? Um, and, and I'll talk about the whole Scott Frost thing and – maybe how Chris Kleiman feeds into it as well in a minute. But the funny thing is they lost to Georgia Southern and not many people really batted it an eye. I mean, that was a a day full of upsets and we were all shocked when Appalachian State beat Texas A&M, stunned when Marshall upset Notre Dame. And then the upset of the night is Georgia Southern over Nebraska and people are basically just kind of nod their head yes or, or point and laugh. Because that's yeah. become all too normal in Lincoln, and that's why Scott Frost is unemployed as of today. And the funny thing is, is like that might have been the most disturbing one of the three, right? Appalachian State, still a pretty good squad, right? You know, the, the, they compete for conference titles. Marshall, they're supposed to be pretty solid this year. The Sun Belt's a pretty good league, right? Georgia Southern, they are an eleven-point underdog against UAB this week. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> they 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 can they can lose the UAB by multiple touchdowns after just beating Nebraska. So that just kind of tells you what the Huskers have been doing. Um just catastrophic errors really and catastrophic loss. I mean, I don't think we anyone's really put into words just how bad losing to Georgia Southern is when you are Nebraska. At the end of the day, Scott Frost is gone. Chris Kleiman has been mentioned by just about every outlet as a potential candidate for that Nebraska job that is now vacant. I don't think he's going to take it, and his comments surely did not seem like someone interested in taking it, even if the option does present itself for him. Um, You know, basically devoting your entire loyalty to one man, athletic director Gene Taylor at Kansas State, pretty much shuts the the door in my eyes. All right, so who uh, who do you think? Might be that next. You know who guy. I think is a perfect one for it is Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Yeah, I really do. I think 
Um, at the end of the day, I think he's probably more comfortable in the Big Ten footprint than he is the SEC footprint. I know they're getting rid of divisions, but until they do, being in the Big Ten West is a whole lot better than being in any division of the SEC. Have you seen the Big Ten West this year? Nobody wants to win that thing. Yeah. Um, you get paid. You're probably going to get paid more in Nebraska than you would at Kentucky. And guess what? W- w- why has Mark Stoops been in the news the last few months? Because he's arguing with the basketball coach over if it's a football or a basketball school. You don't have to do that at Nebraska. You're going to get your first first pick at everything. I just think it makes a whole lot of sense. He's a, he's you know he's a kind of an Iowa guy, kind of a Kansas State guy, kind of an Oklahoma guy. Nebraska. I mean that's kind of that footprint, that region. He can really recruit. His top recruiter is Vince Merrow at Kentucky. Vince Merrow's already coached in Nebraska before as well. So I think there's a lot of things that make sense for Mark Stoops in Nebraska to form a marriage. We'll see if it happens. Sound like the most national buzz has been about Matt Campbell. Yeah, I mean that that was a name. Yeah, I, I thought Mark Stoops, Matt Campbell. Those are two names. You know, I mean, I, I think Nebraska would love some guy that can bring in a good defense. That and I would imagine you know Matt Campbell would be a, a, one of the top conta- uh, candidates for that. Uh, one more topic here, Dy, and then I'll uh, I'll let you go. And that is about um, the SEC asking like Oklahoma and Georgia to just go ahead and just break off that home and home they had scheduled. Uh, and I think there was another one with Oklahoma involved as well. But now, and now Oklahoma has already scheduled a new home and home with SMU. So it's just basically is this? You think this is a, just another step towards Oklahoma and Texas just getting out of the Big Twelve early for the SEC? You know, initially it looked like that, but I don't think this is an indication of anything, so to speak. Right? I think the, I think the reason why they were getting out of some of those series is because. Even if you can play one, there's no way that you can play two because I think the return one was in 2025, which they'd be in the SEC by then. So I yeah. think it's more or less not starting a series when both teams can't get the home game. Well, when is when is Texas? When were they scheduled to make that return trip? Do you know when they're supposed to make that return to Tuscaloosa? I do not. Hmm. No. That is actually uh, I'm, I'm going to need to look that one up because. Uh, just to follow along what you're saying there, D.Y., I mean, to me it makes sense for sure. Uh, but I, I know, uh, you know, Brett Yormark, it was two weeks ago, he was mentioning, you know, there's the, the talks of Oklahoma and Texas leaving early. It would be a win-win situation if there was a deal made. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. I do too, and, you know, I'm, I, I would be fine with it as well if they were to work out a deal where they didn't have to pay penalties or whatever and just pay the $40 million each to exit – Sure. Why not? I think it, I think it just happens one year too soon. I don't think it's two years too sooner. I think Texas and Oklahoma are likely still Big 12 members this time next year, but that might be the last one because they're set to start SEC football in 2025. I could see that being in 2024. That's what I see. Because what's the significance of 2024? That's when the SEC television contract begins with ESPN. DG's over here doing some investigating. What do you got? Next year. Okay. Uh, Texas travels to Bryant Denny Stadium, so so that they kind of tells you that they expect to still be in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Dy, go ahead and uh, plug what you got going on there at Case Down Line with On Three. Uh, more of the same. Still doing a lot of football coverage. We've got a lot of stuff pretty kind of you know hinting at the the Tulane game on Saturday. Some of the football visiting updates uh, from this past weekend, which was a lot of Missouri guys that saw Kansas State whoop up on Missouri. 
um, news of who's visiting this week for the Tulane game. And then we're really going to start boiling, you know, for that Oklahoma game once Tulane is over. Let's hope they don't look past it because we probably kind of are. Got uh, all the – well, all the – do you have your hotel booked? You're not going to fly or anything. Hotel booked for uh, Norman? Yeah, Friday and Saturday night. We're actually going to stay there Friday even though Saturday is a night game just because we're going to go watch Kansas State commit to Nigel Thomas. He's from Oklahoma City. Oh, I want to go to that game. The Oklahoma K-State game. That game, that's what I really want to go to. I got to work out a few details, but uh, D.Y., are you still doing the uh, dollar for a year deal? That is. That is true. Um, Hasn't been pulled yet. So if you haven't signed up for K-State Online at its new home, and on three, you can still do so for one dollar for the entire first year. My God, K State fans, if you're not on this yet for a dollar for a whole year for premium platinum content, you're basically robbing the bank. Platinum. I, like I mean, it. And I like if, platinum. If, if you don't get in on that deal, you're basically a stupid idiot, <laughs> loser who doesn't even know a good deal if it jumped up and bit him. Here, 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 if, if you are ever considering it, I'll put it this way. I'll give myself a little plug here. If you are ever considering it, there's just even a hint of you that wants to do it. Um, you might as well do it now because then what if you want to do it in a few months and the deal's gone, right? Yeah. So do it now. One heck of a promo. All right, D.Y., greatly appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Power K Game Day this Saturday. I'll see you soon. Derek Young. From K-State Online, we're out now with On3. Follow him on Twitter. He's got thousands upon thousands. There's a reason this guy has like 17, 18,000 followers, I think. Something yeah. in that neighborhood. Maybe not that much. I don't know. But it's a ton. <laughs> it's way more than I have. Yeah. At KSO for the latest with K-State Athletics. A lot of recruiting stuff happening as well, even though we didn't talk about any today. Uh, when we come back, uh, I tell you what, um, I don't think the guys talked about it yesterday. I think we can touch on this when we come back because I think it is something that to be talked about. Is the chain actually dead? Oh, is it actually done? We'll give our two cents when we come back on the game. Some people will tell you, don't meet your heroes. <laughs> They'll just disappoint you. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, if your hero is Jerome Tang, meet your hero. You're going to be impressed. He's already impressing. We haven't even seen a, a game yet. I know. The whole coaching staff and administrative staff are all cool. Every one of them is cool. Um, if you don't follow them on Twitter, do it. They are so cool. Dream Dowling is the Dowling one. is the bomb. Yeah, he is the one that always has the phone ready to go to capture the moment. Instagram is very active. Yes, he's that's so where cool. I see most of it. He's so cool. He, his drip is nice. He's got. He's not corny at all. Um, Yurik Molligi's cool. And Drum Tang in the student section, Wabashin, dude with the poncho. Man, the guy is awesome. And the couch the interview thingy, dude. Yeah. Man, I'm so happy we got him. Very active with the students. And I, I, I've said it on the show before where, I, to me, that's incredibly important. And I think they know it's important to build that relationship. Yes. Because, And I don't know this for a fact. But I would imagine just from the hype that that started in May, or March, rather, that student tickets, I would hope, are up. I bet you season tickets are definitely up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much, but I, I would I would go out there and say way up. Mm-hmm. 
way up from this last season. But before that South Dakota game, the the, the students just all of a sudden just start going nuts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what in the world's going on? Well, Jerome Tang is on the bench, on the visitor's bench, just waving his arms, trying to get the kids pumped up. Goes a step further because Dr. Frank Trace, the band says that we're going we're, we're gonna to stop with the Wabash if we can't get rid of the FKU chant. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I was like, man, that is a – I don't know if that's going to work. I, I, I hope it does, but I just don't know. Last time we tried doing something like – just trying to say, hey, let's stop this. It's ridiculous. Makes us look bad. It got worse. Mm-hmm. And then it just continued on and continued on. And that South Dakota game, the first Wabash – Called it quits early because it was loud. Mm-hmm. That chant was loud. And so Drum Tang gets up on stage at Purple Power Play in the plaza. I think that's what it's called now over there at Blue Earth or in that area. And gets up and says, hey, let's not let this chant take away what we love. Wabash, or you didn't mention Wabash, but Sandstorm. Sandstorm is the other one. So fast forward to last Saturday and Coach Tang jumps into the student section right there on the front row and does the Wabash. Coach Tang, if you're listening, and if that was one of the first times you've ever done the Wabash, first, second, third time, or just the first time overall, I thought that was really good. He did good. I've seen people try Wabashing for the first time. Disaster. <laughs> Uncoordinated. No rhythm. Disaster. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's got some rhythm. He does. And he's doing the fist. Yeah. He, they, you know. And Dream Dowling kind of was hating on him a little bit. Was he? Yeah, he was like, he got tired doing it. He's out of shape. So we got some shade thrown, but I thought, perfect. He did fantastic. If you Listen, for those that may, and I'm not the best to talk about this right now. I'm not in great shape right now. Uh, but uh, if you want to get a workout, <laughs> do the Wabash. Don't do it like forwards and backwards. Do it side to side. Ooh. You will burn Ooh. the core. Oh, my. It's a great workout. Wow. The Wabash workout, dude. But he jumps in, the Wabash starts, and we can hear a chant. Mm-hmm. But it's not FKU, it's KSU. Yeah. And I stood up on my chair on the North 30-yard line, sixth floor, the West Stadium Center. I was like, yes, mm-hmm. it's done. Mm-hmm. But is it really done? Is it really done? Now, here is just the one concern I have. Well, KU is still on the schedule. Mm-hmm. KU will be coming into Bramlage Coliseum at some point in 2023. Does it ramp up then? I don't know. But I want to give credit where credit is due. And that is to, I think, you know, drum tang and K-State men's basketball for I think this should be, I think this should be a tradition. If they're around, if they're able to do it, if they're there on the sideline. If Coach Tang can get in front of that student section before every game and just get them fired up. I think that's awesome. Like, even if it's just a game that maybe nobody cares about, but it's K State football, not the best opponent in the world, still get out there and fire them up. I think that was awesome. And mm-hmm. I love that inter- interaction between Coach Tang and the student section. And I think not just do, do I love it, the fans love it. I think just the students. I mean, watch the reaction. They yeah. go nuts when Tang stands up on that bench and starts getting them fired up. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it every single time. Yep. Every single time they're going to do it. Yeah, it's – I always was really jealous of this thing that Tennessee had with Bruce Pearl when he would show up to games and he would go to, like, Lady Vols games too and, like, take his shirt off and be all painted up and he was in the crowd with the students. 
And I always thought that'd be so cool if we had a coach like that, and we do. We have a coach that's willing to get out there and have fun with these kids. And I think, I think it's one thing that we are kind of overlooking this whole situation. This is college sports, and it's it's a college experience to go to the games and root on your t- your schoolmates to win. We put a lot of emphasis on the game day experience for everybody and alumni and families, and that, that's great, and that sells tickets, and that's good. It should be that way. But I think sometimes we do kind of throw the students a little bit to the side and go, it's not about you, when really it, the whole thing kind of is. You know, It's a college football game, and it's a big deal. The college section, the student section, it is a big deal. We want them there. You need them there. It's, they're supposed to be there because it's the college experience. It's part of the college experience. And I think having a guy like Jerome Tang get in the middle, right there front row, doing the Wabash with these kids, reminded them that you can go to the game and you can do stuff like the Wabash and have fun and not go out and cuss and be bad and be unruly. You can still have a good time and be loud and support your team, and you can do it that way and have fun doing it. And it was a little nod to them, like, we see you. We hear you. A lot of this stuff with the new construction, too, a lot of that took a lot of that tailgating out where it was kids. It was college kids out there. Yeah. It took it out, and they were pushed nowhere. They didn't even give them a new spot to just well, say, they hey, do. Sorry. They do have a new spot. It's over by the rec center, but I don't think it's as big as it, you know. Nah, it's, right, it, yeah, right. It's, and it's sometimes I just think we forget about it. That It's part of the college experience. And I really appreciate Jerome Tang and the staff. And all those guys getting in there and doing that and reminding the students, like, you're important. It is important that you're here. And we just want you to – you just play by the rules um, and we can still have a good time. It sounds so lame to say that, but the students, they – we really should say they did everybody a solid on Saturday because they could have got together. They could have done it clandestinely and said, we're going to do FKU chant every song. Who cares? But they didn't. They played ball, and that stadium was rocking, and it was cool. And it was a rain delays, and it was weird weather, and they still came together, and it was cool, man. It was really cool, and I appreciate them. Appreciate them big time. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> They're the atmosphere. Yes. They are the atmosphere. Now, I mean, would you? I mean, would we see Bill Self? KU football's two and zero. People are going to start showing up to these games. They're going to host. I think they host Duke this Saturday. Is that right? I mean, you're going to see bigger crowds now. Mm-hmm. But are you going to see Bill Self out there trying to fire up the crowd? No. You're not going to see that. No, and, and I, I it's think... It's not just KU. I think that he needs someone to direct him in that that direction. <laughs> he needs someone to hold his hand in that direction. And Jerome Tang just has swag and knows what's cool and what's not cool. And he knows the student section at a football game is cool. And you got to have the students there. Full force. Oh, so what's cool is the student section packed at a basketball game. More seats were taken out. There's more suites in that student section area, but there's still Let plenty for thousands of you. Yeah. Thousands of you. All right. That's going to do it for hour one. Hour two after work, we're going to kick things off talking Tulane football with Tulane beat writer Gary Smith. Number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything is all coming up on a Wednesday, but also coming up. Your local news. Don't go anywhere. The game on KMAN.